0: before we get started, I have an announcement to make, but uh, I didn't want Jay to do it. Uh, I wanted to do this. And so um, we are uh, going to be, or would like to send, as many of you know, Jared. uh, Jay and Doreen's son is in uh, the Navy, and he's been deployed. And he'll be deployed for how long, Jay? Uh, Anywhere from seven to nine months. Yeah, seven, seven to nine months. And so what I thought it'd be really nice to do is for us to uh, maybe work out sending Jared a weekly box uh, from Passion Community Church. Just a little bit of a box that says "I love you." Uh, just to get him uh, some snacks and some things like that. And so, what I'm asking you for this week, uh, if you would like to, this week we're going to send him a whole bunch of cards. So, if you could handwrite him a card, uh, just thinking of him. Uh, you know, any prayer, any um, any prayers that you want to pray for him. Uh, those types of things. And if you want to bring them in next Sunday, we will put them all together in a box and get them sent to him. And then every week uh, or thereabouts, what we'll do is we'll try to send him a, a box with some uh, beef jerky or snacks or, you know, other notes or cards or those types of things. Uh, he is a big uh, history World War II uh, buff. So if you have small uh, paper uh, back books, on World War Two or history, he would—I'm uh, sure—enjoy reading those as well. So, uh, let's let's just shower him with love. I mean, he's going to be deployed for a while. This is something uh, very small that we can do for him because what if what he is sacrificing for us as our country? So, if you would please just remember to bring a card or a letter. Uh, handwritten is wonderful. I know that if you're like me, your handwriting is really bad. My handwriting is really bad. So I'll probably figure out some other way of doing this, but uh, bring one in and let's, uh, let's shower him with love. Okay. All right. Uh, We're going to finish up this series of sermons that we've been on called, this is the church. This is us. The last few weeks, all three of us have been up here talking about what it means uh, for us to be the church and what the church in scripture looks like. And if you remember, we started this journey by taking a look at all the uh, scripture in in the church, and uh, the scripture in the church, that's a lot of scripture in the church, right? Uh, we started looking at all of the scripture that talks about the church, and then we talked about, uh, specifically, we also talked about the church of the history, we talked about the church of Acts, we talked about the church of today, where we're standing uh, as a church, And we've talked about this general idea of the Big C Church, just the church in general. Today, uh, we're going to focus in a little bit more on our church, Passion Community Church, and what we can do to become more like the church in Scripture. Our job here is for us to look at all of us as a family, all of us together, and say, how can we represent Jesus Christ the best way that we can by fulfilling and becoming like the church in Acts, like the church, uh, that Paul spoke about in Romans, like the church, uh, that we read in scripture. And it is a job for us to do, but it is something that we need to be. And so I'm gonna, uh, what we're gonna do is, uh, in, uh unlike the last few weeks where we all spoke on one little message and we all kind of then shared, we're gonna have more of an open dialogue today about what the church is and how we, Easy for me to say. (laughs) I'm getting all choked up. As we, as Passion Community Church, can be the family. How we can be like the church in Scripture. And so I want to just open up to these uh, two fine gentlemen on each side of me. I know I called you a fine gentleman. Uh, uh, How can passion, in your mind, become more like the church in Scripture? I will allow it. You way, allow it, fine, gentlemen. Okay, yes, okay, thank you. <laughs> I will allow it.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead. and Go first. Go okay? for it. Okay, so uh, we're we're talking about how how a church uh, becomes a family, and um, there's a couple ways uh, we understand that uh, according to Romans eight sixteen, and I'm not going to throw scriptures up there, but but uh, I do want to say that. Um, it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, there's only one way to become children of God. We're not born into it, but we are born again, again into it. Sorry. So when we are born again into it, we all become children of God. And so uh, somebody's got to have, somebody's got to take these children and raise them up. Slap them around. I understand. And that can only hit that, well. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Sorry. there'll be no child abuse here
0: yeah <laughs> uh, but but the spare the, the rod spoil the, the child <laughs> means nothing to you come on i mean god does that he says that right no i'm kidding go ahead sorry sorry is
1: this a comedy act? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this a, uh, but the way that happens is it's in the context of a family you don't just throw children out there and let them fend for themselves it just don't happen it, what you get feral children out there, and, and that's what that you know what I'm saying. That's what that looks like. can right? yell at me about
0: being uh, feral Wait kids. You,
1: you ever seen that? Anyway, so, um, but we are as a uh, uh, as children of of God, we need to come together in a structure um, that promotes our individual growth as much as it does the collective growth. So. Uh, how many knows that the, the absolute number one best way for children to grow up is within a family unit Amen. with a mom and a dad. Now I know there's blended families here and God bless you. You know, we have uh step parents and such sometimes that that's, you know, a, a necessity, right? But the, the important thing to realize is that the number one best way is through uh, a nuclear family. And the best way for a church or for children of God to grow up is within the context of a family. Because in the family, you have uh, people who take on parental roles. Uh, You have people that are siblings. You get older brothers, older sisters, et cetera. And you learn from one another. And you take... uh, uh, Tips and 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 guidance and direction from one another. So as the elder children uh, uh, mature and get older um, and grow, they can in turn model to the younger children. So not all of us on this journey are are you know uh, been in this uh, Christian journey for twenty plus years, like Pastor Jason, but some of us have been a Christian for maybe twenty days. So the context of a family brings us into a place where we can learn and grow from watching and observing each other. Um, now, I've got two daughters. They're both adults. They're, uh, they're full grown. Uh, one of them has three children. The other does not. She's married but does not have any kids yet. But um, they have relationships with their spouses a lot like what my wife and I had why because we modeled that to them mm-hmm. and so they have you know they have something to go off of so th- the whole church family uh, model is just that that we might learn and grow from one another and uh, isn't that called discipleship that is to called discipleship and, mm-hmm. and I mean there's and there's different uh um, stages of your spiritual growth because you come into this thing as a spiritual babe paul talks about it uh as a spiritual baby needing spiritual milk you you're not ready to chew on some of the hard harder uh food uh that the bible brings us and and the scriptures and and sometimes what, what pastor preaches or whatnot but we're able to take the milk right we're able to to feed on that i have a my grandson, uh, he is about three months old right now, and he's still on the milk. You know, he can't handle hard food. He ain't got no teeth.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard to chew on stuff when
1: you ain't got teeth. Um, but that's how he's nourished. And you know what? And we need to understand when when people are first uh, newborn into Christ, they're not going to know what you know. They're not going to do what you do. They're going to survive and grow based on uh, spiritual milk. But then there's... The next level which is uh, uh, a child a toddler you know toddlers uh, eat hard food some hard food to get you know uh, they can eat some of what adults eat so then they're going to grow into that phase and then eventually into a young man and then eventually into an adult now when we get to be the adult uh, in the room (laughs) there's more expectation on you sir you know you're the older brother Uh, Or or you're a spiritual parent. See, sometimes God puts us in contact with people within the context of our family here that we just need to uh, spend some extra time with and and give some special attention to. Those are called spiritual children. And and we are, when you are uh, uh, raised up, most of us are taught how to become a parent. I mean, we're raised up so that we can be parents, so that kind of thing happens in the church as well, where um, as a family we identify people uh that hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take this person under my wing. I'm gonna I'm gonna spiritually care for them and help them grow into a place where they can begin to fend for themselves. So at, at some point, when the kids are eighteen, twenty, or whatever the age is nowadays, uh and they move out of the house, okay. You don't have to have such intensive, uh, you know, time and and energy with them, but there's still a time, you know, that you can interact with them and guide them and direct them. But um, anyway, I'm kind of moving. I'm I'm kind of monopolizing the time. No, that's okay.
0: But isn't isn't it interesting because discipleship is is often looked upon as you know it it's a it's not a, it's not necessarily it can be a cry for help right a cry that sure. i don't know where i'm going but this is in scripture when we read scripture we have to understand that discipleship is not uh it, it's it's something that is um that is glorified that's brought up that god brings it into the pro- jesus himself discipled the disciples He, the apostles, you know, he went with them, he was with them, he showed them how to do this. And so when we are in the context, when, when Pastor Chaz or Corey or myself stand up here and we say, oh, everyone should be in discipleship. I often feel like people are going like, well, I, I know the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's not just knowing the Bible, right? It's how do you use the Bible in the context of your life today? Because if you don't know the Bible, then yes, you should be in discipleship. If you do know the Bible, yes, you should be in discipleship. (laughs) Because we all should be. I mean, even, I'll be completely honest with you, and Pastor Chaz and Corey know this, but I have people in my life that I, that disciple me. Uh, men that I uh, submit myself to, and uh, there are times that I, you know, I, I, I used to joke all the time, God bless you, Steve Neptune, miss you, I'll see you, uh, actually I'll see him this Tuesday. But um I, when I go and meet with him, I take a bottle of Advil with me because <laughs> I, I know that I'm going to be drinking from a fire hydrant when I go there. And it's a wonderful thing. But that man has uh, can speak into my spiritual life and ask me what's going on and help me even after... I'm old, Jazz. It's not 20 plus years. It's 34 years, just to okay. let you know. So 34 so years, so been, been a Christian and a believer. A little
1: longer for some people.
0: Yeah, no, it just... takes it right. It does, you're right. Just... You're, right. Okay. you're right, it does. But But that discipleship, uh model is something that Jesus interpreted and put into practice for all of us, not just new believers in Christ, but every single one of us should have someone that they're discipling. So let me uh, begin to wrap this section up, if that's okay, okay. by saying, and then I'll let you uh, respond if you want to say anything about that, but um, begin by saying all of us, for us to be like the church in scripture, we have to have discipleship relationships. We have to be part of those. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going to Duncan every week and meeting together and having coffee and donuts together. Isn't that right, Chad and Jerry, Tom and Jerry, right? That's, that's what we call them, Tom and Jerry. But, uh, but we meet together and we have this wonderful time uh, of togetherness, you know? But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with spending that time, but discipleship is also uh, it's, it's modeled in Scripture.
2: Yeah, some, somewhere along the lines of your church history, this idea of discipleship kind of got mixed up a little bit. Yeah. We view discipleship now as a class right, with a curriculum and a syllabus. And there's all of these things that we have to check off a list where mm-hmm. the idea of discipleship, it's a lifelong Sorry. relationship. Right. I, I think all the way back, I'm, um, uh, not to date you fine <laughs> gentlemen up here, but all the way back when you know I first met Pastor Chaz, you know, I was in high school and I entered a discipleship relationship with Pastor Chaz. And that wasn't something that only lasted, you know, the four years or however long. That's something that lasted lifelong. And not only am I discipled by Pastor Chaz, I'm discipled by Pastor Jason. And not only am I poured into by these two gentlemen here, there are people in my life that I pour into as well. People from my very first workplace who I don't even think about anymore will still every once in a while text me and say, hey, what do you think about this? So it's this idea of switching it from discipleship as a short-term class to a lifelong relationship. That's right. Um, And I think one of the things that we have to realize looking at the, the original question is how can passion be like the church and scripture is we need to start realizing the stakes of the game. That's right. Um, We're very, very fortunate, and I'm thankful for this, but the the church in the United States, um, I I think, has kind of gotten out of scope a little bit. Uh, Hardship for us as a church is, hey, my track's just completely cut out, and I can't (laughs) hear anything that's going on, and I can't get the congregation to sing with me. Where the reality is, there's places in this world that, as a church, if you're caught meeting together, you'll just get gunned down right there right. on the spot. Yeah. And I, I can't think of anything, any other—I'm I'm, going to call it a game. It's not a game, but just for lack of it, any other game where the stakes where the stakes where the stakes, <laughs> the stakes <laughs> where the stakes are any higher than what we're doing here as a church, because the stakes are literally life or death. The stakes that we're playing with—it's either you're going to spend eternity in life, in heaven, or you're going to spend your eternity in death in hell. It, and hell. And, and it's one of those things, you know, I, I look at any, anything else in this world that happens. I look at COVID-19 that happened. Mm-hmm. And don't, don't get me wrong, COVID-19, terrible thing. A lot of people got really sick. But a little flu bug shut the entire world down for two years. I don't know exactly what the mortality rate of people who caught COVID was, but I'm looking at one, two, three people up here who caught COVID. Mm-hmm. There's still three people sitting up here. At the same time, I'm looking at one, two, three people up here who caught sin. And I'm looking at one, two, three people that if we don't get the cure, we're going to die. Right. The snakes cannot be higher. And I think as a church, we need to realize that and we need to be dedicated be committed to what it's actually going to take to share that cure to that sin problem in this world
0: yeah isn't that the spiritual malaise right the spiritual malaise of the world today is amazing and it's just and it's something that I want to tell you as a church family we have to overcome we have to overcome the 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 malaise of oh this is Dropping my phone. This is the malaise of, of you know, oh, I'm just coming to church because it's fun and I get to meet someone or I get to come in and have a donut and coffee and and maybe have my social time. Well, this isn't social time. Church is Church, we are in a spiritual battle. That's what scripture tells us. It's not with flesh and blood. It is with the spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm is a battle that we have to go against. And we have to be together in that. Which brings me up to the next point that I want to talk about is, why do we have to be a family? You know, what? what is this idea about a family? We, we have been talking about us becoming a family for a long time, and this is something that you'll hear us continuing uh, as we move forward. The family idea for us as a church is important because Scripture says that we are the body of Christ, but it also says that we are family, that we are together as one. We are coming together. It is important because, listen, if you are not called family in here, right? Or if you are called family, I I think I I, I don't want to embarrass him, but, you know, I think of my, my cousin that's in here right now, you know, we spent, I can, I can, we both have stories of our youth growing up together and all of the things we used to do and the closeness and the bond that we have. Would I have had the same bond with him if he was not family? Probably not. Right. But because of the time and energy and the love and the family atmosphere that we had together and the energy, the things that we did together, the experiences that we went through, some good, some not so good, they, they are, it creates a family atmosphere. It creates a bond. It's the same way for all of us. We're going to talk about how we can become a family and things that we need to do together to become that family. But all of us in here have to understand that you are not coming to church. You're not a church member. You're part of a family when you come in here, it's, and that's important because listen, you're more willing. I'm more willing to do something for my family than I am for someone else, right? And I'm not trying to replace the nuclear family. I mean, this is a discussion we had on uh, this past week. We're not trying to replace your nuclear family. Nuclear family is very important. I mean, your your um what's why why
2: can't I your immediate family.
0: Your idiot family? Immediate. Immediate. I thought you said idiot family. I was going to say, wait a minute. Like your parents, your siblings. Well, okay. That's another conversation. Yeah, your immediate family. Immediate family. I got it. Your immediate family is very important, and that is something that we're not trying to replace. But what we have to understand is that we have to be a
2: family together, and there's a structure for that.
1: We all have that crazy cousin. Yeah, we do. (laughs) And and I think
2: this becomes so important because family can take the struggles and turn it into times of joy. You know, there, There's been times where you know, I, I can say my wife and I were looking at some obstacle that we're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? And we just sit there and we start laughing because it's like, well, we'll figure it out, right? If you don't have a good group of family together, knowing someone who has your back, when you face a mountain and you're sitting there thinking, well, "How am I ever going to climb over this?" You sit there and you start thinking about how that mountain, how big that mountain is, instead of, "All right, where am I going to take my first step at?" Sure. And it's it's this idea of family. You know, I talked about you know the stakes are are being high and and everything else, but if you can can live that with a family, it becomes enjoyable. Sure. You know, humans crave relationships with other people, and and in a game that is such high stakes, is what christianity is you know we're talking about life or death situations how else are you going to survive without family without your brother next to you saying just take that next step don't look at how tall that mountain is just focus on where your next step is going to be that's right
1: how do you eat a whale one bite at a time right <laughs> So that's how so you, you take eat, that.
2: You eat whale. Well.
1: I, I have never eaten whale, well, okay. but I'm just, just telling minute, you, if you okay. ever had to eat a whale, <laughs> yes. how you would do it, one yep. bite at a time. So if you're facing a mountain like that, you you need to need uh know what the first step is so you can take the next one. Um, but uh I want to talk about the, the fact that we are members of Passion Community Church. Now, you know, we, we've taken membership in the past and, and such, um, but the overarching idea of that is that we are members one of another. As the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. it says, But, but now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Understand, when you, when you identify Passion Community Church as your church and this body of believers as your family, we are members of one of another, and we have been placed here as God had pleased. Now, you know, and I know a pastor has said, you know, we, we choose you as family, and we, okay, but God chose us as family. That's right. Understand that. So, you know, and every, every family's got the black sheep, right? There's black sheep in the family, there's, you know, that crazy cousin we talked about, right? But you know what? Here's the thing about family that person is always welcome to the table. You know, and the whole point of that is is that, okay, that the rest of the family would help that individual along and model what a good family member looks like. So they may continue to be crazy, I don't know. But the whole point of it is is that we are are accepting of that. uh, And we are, um, you know, family holds traditions together. And what I mean by that is this. You know, um, your family probably gets together on Thanksgiving. They probably get together at Christmas. They get together on birthdays. You know what we do? We have our traditions as well. We we get together and do communion. We get to, together and we sing songs. So everybody in the family, like if, you're, if you live in my house, if we're cleaning the house or something, I got the radio on, right? Anybody else clean the house with the radio on, and you know, because you want to, you want to distract yourself from the fact that hey, I have to clean this house. But everybody in the house hears what's on the radio, and everybody in the house knows the songs that are that are coming. On. I remember when my mom, uh, when I was when I was younger, my mom used to play this record, um, "Sugar Sugar" by the Archies. and I, and if I heard it one time, I heard it ten thousand times. Everybody in the house knew "Sugar, Sugar" by the Archies, right? It's like when we come together here.
0: You just alienated the whole younger generation because I have no clue who you're talking okay, about. Okay, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Someone's gonna smile. And okay, not it here. was a '60s
1: uh, group, and anyway, so. Um, but the but the point is this: we come together and we're all singing the same songs together. We hear the same songs and we sing the same songs together and we're doing the work of the ministry together. That's a thing families do. We come together just like Thanksgiving dinner. We come together and we partake of the Lord's Supper together. That's a family thing. We have our traditions, you know, and this family is going to look a little bit different than every other church family out there. But understand that, you know, we are a family, but there's other families out there that we uh, are similar to and, and have similar you know, you know things uh, of the same nature uh, as they do, so we're a big family under the big umbrella of Christ, but we are a family like a nuclear family here in the same sense yeah and I think
2: the the important thing to to realize here is the reason that it is so important that we're becoming a family and that our church becomes a family is because the goal of a family, the reason that families stick together, is because families are there to fill in where the need is. Sure. Um, you know, I, I can tell you just like this morning. You know, I, I came in. Going to be honest, I wasn't feeling it this morning. <laughs> it was a long week. Just, I right. just was not feeling it. And I know that on those days, I can rely on my brothers and sisters. I can rely on Christy pull her aside and tell her like hey I'm just not feeling it I need some help and she can bring some levity and lift and lift that situation <laughs> up I can talk to to pastor Jason about what's going on and he can um, you know come in and give me some advice and help get my help steer me in the right direction and that's the whole part of a family the whole part of being a family is so that we're doing this together and not by ourselves and what you'll find out about a family is everybody has a role to play there's there's so many opportunities in a family, and this Passion Community Church is no different than any other family. Everybody has a role to play. Um, so not to, to take over, but kind of lead into the next thing that we really wanted to talk about is how do we do that? How do we meet the needs of the church? And I'm not just talking about you know, the needs on Sunday. We have plenty of needs on sunday we need good people here doing different things anything from people greeting to helping with the tech set up and tear down there's so much that goes into our sunday services that's a great place to start um but there's also the need of the community um you know and what do we do to kind of fill those gaps and bring people together yeah
0: one of those things of serving to Serving together is an interesting atmosphere. It's an interesting thing. you know that the people who um, are most, and this isn't just with passion, by the way, but the people who are most connected, the people who are most happy with their current church place of worship are those that serve together. It's very honest. And I, as a pastor, I don't, I don't want to uh, alienate anyone. I don't want to make you feel bad. Well, maybe I do. But uh, but as a pastor, I just want to let you know, if you're not serving in some aspect of the church, then you're not going to be connected with the rest of the people inside the church. It's very, it's very truthful. I mean, the, the, the simple idea is that when we have, when we have small groups, which we're going to talk about, but when we have those small groups, and we have all of those things, when you're a part of that, you feel part, you get to know each other. It's, it's much, it's much harder to get to know people on a Sunday morning like this when... Uh, the pastors up speaking versus in a small group when you can talk with each other and you can relate with each other. But then also, there's nothing like getting your hands dirty together, right? Uh, There's nothing like going together and saying, we got to pack bags. You know, one of the – I love my Fridays with Pat and Sue. I I do, you know, Pat and Sue. Pat, for years, has gone with me to pick up – book bags and the food at the at, at the Akron camp Food Bank, and then we bring them back and we pack them up and we send them over to school. You know the conversations that we have in that car? Uh, I can't repeat half of them. Right? That, I mean, I should repeat half of them, I should say. Maybe that's a better way to say it. But just growing together in that way is amazing. And I get to know him, he gets to know me, and that relationship and that bond is growing closer together because we are serving together, but we're also spending time together. Mm-hmm. And it's just so true that you measure of how happy you are with your church family and your church life will be the measure of how much you serve and you are part of that church family.
2: And we have plenty of different ways to serve together. Like I said, the the backpack program, uh, bridge builders, we have, of course, our Sunday services here. We have um, our home groups that, you know, you can meet at, there's opportunity to serve for those. And most importantly, one of the things I want to bring up is we have our, our five passions, right? Sometimes they get pushed harder than others, but I'm going to cheat. I looked them up. Um, our five passions are our passion for Christ, community, relationships, unity. And that fifth one is your passion. And, and I think that's that's so critical, and that really spells out who we are as a church. And what that means is our passion for your passion is if you have a way that you can think of to bless this community and you approach any of us up here or any of the other, the other leaders up here, we'll figure out a way to go forward with it. Um, you know, I can think of you know different situations. Um, you know, my mom at one point brought up and she said, hey, we have these kids going through chemo. Let's put together these little bags with little toys in them uh, to hand them out and bless these kids. That's a perfect example of your passions. That's a perfect example of how you can take something that you're passionate about and turn it around into a, a serving thing for the church, um, I just wanted to bring that up before we before we moved on it's not just it's not just about you know as what we 're doing now as a church what we 're doing now as a church is important too, but there's always the next the next need that needs to be met and all of us are part of the community all of us know what those needs are it's going to take all of us together uh, to take ownership and to be able to meet those needs
0: yeah the truth of the matter is Shortage of outreach opportunities for our Right, right. What we're short on is people to actually help and do those outreach. Uh, I, mean, I mean, coming up on uh, the
2: 29th, I think it's 29th. Here's Lena. Lena's It's the 29th.
0: 29th of October is trick or treat. We have two events that day, and I'm trying to decide if we can do both. One is uh, the expo at Bridgestown, The other one is trick or treating here in Ravenna. We want to have a presence here uh, in this place, and so we're gonna. We want to, you know, maybe have a pop up at the end of the, at the end of the driveway, giving out candy. But they both happen to be coinciding at the same time, and so, or little, a uh, very little uh, amount apart, but. So what happened is generally when we do an outreach, it ends up being Corey, Lena, and Jen, and I, and and a few other people have joined us along the way as well. But we need people now that day, so the opportunity is that if we have enough people that we can do both, then we'll do both, right? So the outreach opportunities are really endless. It's just that we're, we need more help. We need people to say, I wanna serve with you. I wanna do this, I wanna, and maybe that's things like outreach. and, And when we say outreach, I mean, come on, Halloween outreach is the best ever. You're giving kids candy. How much better can that be, right?
2: Can't say Halloween. Oh yeah, fall. I'm sorry, fall harvest
0: party. Uh, we're giving candy out for the celebrate the fall time. Frame. But the best thing about it is that we don't give out those little dinky little candy. We give out the big ones, right? We give out the real candy bars. By the way, if you want to donate some, we'll take some of that too. Uh,
2: but um, I'll take Reese to cups. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll, I, I'm saying you, Corey. I'm saying. Pass out to kids. Oh. One, for glory, one, for <laughs> one for kids, one for glory. Serving though together, I, there's something about serving together. I, you know, I I don't want to sit here and harp on on all of these events that we have coming up, but there's just something about it. You get to know people in the midst of serving together. You know, that's true. It's just amazing.
1: True, I I you know I think about what you know Steve and I and Tanya do at, on Monday nights and throughout the week. I mean. Celebrate recovery is Monday night and uh it's awesome, you know. Uh Steve's been with us serving on the worship team there. Um and in small group he leads us, uh the men's group, um a lot. But, you know, it's it's like okay, we're serving together and man, we're growing together. We're you know, uh there's a bond there. Um that's unmistakable. But uh yeah, it's it's there's something to be said about when you serve together, it, it just solidifies your uh, relationship one with another, and that's you know. Yeah, and absolutely. And
2: go ahead. I was gonna say you just you mentioned the the next thing that really can take us to the next level of being if, small group of
0: Wait a Wait, I got one more
2: thing. Backing up. <laughs> Back
0: up. If I'm in a foxhole in the middle of a war, I want someone that I know that I can trust on that I've served with before.
1: Right, true that. That's and true.
0: When I'm in the midst of trouble, I know I'm not calling someone I don't know. I'm calling someone oh, that I know right. has been there with me before. Was help me through things, and so I just just by serving together, you get to know each other, you get to know who you are, and you get to spend that time together, and you get to know so that when the battle comes to your front door, I know who I'm
1: right. Coming. Well, characters characters built in that serving, right. you know, uh, without a doubt, because you had to rely on each other, um, just like you're saying, yep. um, and I agree. And and if I ever have to get in a foxhole, I mean, I want you there. Thank you. Right. Okay. Uh, or if I'm serving on a ship for a six month deployment, (laughs) you know, uh, we've been there, right, Steve, uh, you know, getting back to the Jared thing, you know, uh, it's lonely out there and you, and, you know, I mean, you're just doing your duty and you, and the workload is constant. Um, but you know what? Jared's family, Jared's family. Um, he's a son of this house. And and I wanted to say this, too, because uh, I want to go back to uh, there was a time when I, when I went to upstate New York and the Catskills, a beautiful place. I have a friend that lives up there, him and his wife live up there. And they go to this amazing church and it's absolutely beautiful church. Um, and they invited us up there. They had a leadership conference and they invited me and my wife up there. So we're like, OK, cool, let's go, you know. And then one of the really, the, the coolest thing that I brought back from that experience was this, that when they, uh, we had a time of reflection and we got, you know, there's a tables full of couples, uh, you know, in this, in this area. And, um, and the pastor and his wife were sitting up on the stage and everything. And, and we were talking about what we had, what our takeaways from this conference was. And then when uh, they asked us uh, table by table to stand up, And tell us you know tell what our takeaway was from this conference and when the people from their church stood up they said this my name is so and so i'm a son of this house the woman would say i'm so and so i'm a daughter of this house and immediately i knew exactly what that meant that meant that they were a family in that in the house of god and that they were raised up together in that house. So when they say they they proclaim, Hey, I'm a daughter or a son of this house. They're saying, Hey, I was raised here. It's kind of like, you know, uh, where I, I grew up in Ravenna. I went to Ravenna high school. You know what I mean? I'm a product of Ravenna. Uh, that was their way of saying, Hey, this was my home church. This is my family. And I've been raised up here. So just like Jared, you know, I've been here for years um, his family's been here for years, so we don't forget about that. Sure. We don't forget about you know uh, people that have <clears throat> see because I went away for a while too and came back. You know, so um, anyway, just wanted to thought it was a it was a striking thing to me uh, to hear people say that you know and identify like that. Yep.
2: Uh, and just to, we're coming up on our on time here, so just time to kind of bring this all together. Um, You know, one of the ways that I see moving forward that's going to be crucial to get us from where we are now as a church to this big picture, what we're looking at, where we're, you know, one big happy family, um, we got to start with our small groups, right? Um, You know, those, those small groups is the idea of them is in a big picture setting like this, it's fairly intimidating to walk up to a new person and say, hi, how are you? My name is Corey. Um, There's some of us that have no problem doing that. Um, Other of us, you know, it takes a little bit longer to get out of our shells. Um, But where that bridge gets gapped between our big, you know, Sunday morning service and this point of we're now developing close relationships with people is our small groups. Um, And we have several. Um, We have our ABF class that meets beforehand. We have our home group that meets at our house. Um, we have the youth group who meets together. Um, we have kind of um, taken a little bit of a, a, a back burner position, but we have men's group, women's group. We have all these different small groups where the whole point of this is to take us from this, you know, big, intimidating environment and boiling it down into people who have things in common. And the great thing about that is you can have an unlimited amount of small groups in a church if you and other one other person like to go fishing. That can become your small group. <laughs> Let's
0: go. Come
2: on. We used to we used to yeah. to joke about having a golf course ministry.
1: We do that Sorry.
2: golf course. That was our small group. We get together and we develop that relationship. And it doesn't have to be you know some big official thing, but just some group that meets on a semi regular basis to take us from this disconnected group of strangers to now all of a sudden, oh. I like to knit. Becky likes to knit. We can do a small group together. Crochet. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> don't you dare! Come I, I'm surprised knitting. one of them sharp needles didn't come flying up this way. Oh. <laughs> as you can see, as you can tell, I actually do not know how to knit um, or crochet. <laughs> uh, a bowling group. You know, this is how we can take something. And, and, and really grow the church, because what's what sounds more fun? Like, hey, best friend who doesn't go to church, come to church with me. Or, hey, best friend, let's go fishing with this group of people from church. People are going to want to go fishing, and then you suck them in, and they get <laughs> stuck, and they can't go anywhere. That's the whole idea behind these small groups things, As if we do things together as a church, we can suck more people into that small group, and that small group becomes a big group and then that big group splits off into two small groups, and now all of a sudden you just keep repeating and repeating. And it's growth by multiplication instead of growth by addition, uh, which is just absolutely crucial if we want to grow this thing that God has started here, which I
1: think is absolutely ordained uh, for us to do. I want to say um, that it's natural for uh, families... To add to the family, you know, we we have uh, we raise children up and they have children of their own. We become grandparents. How many grandparents out there love them? Grandbabies. It's the highlight of my life. Um, So just as we like to reproduce, uh, have young uh, have children, there's going to be people that are going to come into the church that that are going to be a product of us reaching out and bringing them in, you know. Uh, But the church needs to understand that we got to receive them in just like we're having a baby, you know. Corey and Lena have Amelia, that's adding to the church, right? Um, But obviously she can't uh, read scripture yet, so she don't, you know. Um, But there's, so there's a couple different ways that we add to the family, Obviously, reaching out and evangelizing, uh, and people coming to the church that way, they became they become a, uh, a, a, a new babe in Christ. But we could also adopt, and there's a lot of times where that happens too. You know, people from other churches, like like maybe they moved, they need a church, a new church family. We adopt them in. You know what I mean? They're they're already halfway grown. They're already sometimes full grown. But we welcome them in, but we have to make a big deal out of that. Make a big deal out of people coming into the family. Uh, we make a big deal when, when a, a child's born into the family. Let's make a big deal when, when they come into this family as well.
0: I'm going to ask worship to come up, and then we'll begin to wrap up. Uh, and I just want to say this. Listen, we, we spent the last four weeks on this topic, and the reason why we spent the last four weeks on this topic
2: Thank you. like no other, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, I have lived in the goodness of God. You have been so, so good. With every breath that I can able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness
0: of your goodness because you are so worthy of that and so much more Lord I pray for those that are here today that as we go forth from this place we can be your hands and feet that we can reach our community and we can share about the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ and how much he has changed us and our lives thank you for what you have done for us Jesus thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. Bless us now as we depart our ways and help us to do your will in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next week.